We do appreciate you, even if Josh doesn't appreciate your carols. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And it is so great to have Pastor Garen here all the way from Bateman's Bay. So good that he could make it up today. And Garen's an, an amazing man. And I, our families have grown up in this movement, the Acts movement, the Apostolic movement. And Garen's also a pastor's son. And I know of Garen that he just has such a love for the church and a love for people and a love for the kingdom. And he's a great preacher. So we thought it would be really awesome to get him up here today to encourage us. So let's give him a big hand as he comes up. Thank you, Garen. Thanks, Sarah. How you all doing? Good? Glad to be here? Anybody else wonder if they were going to get through this morning on your way here? I did. We got here. Thanks for um, having me, Josh and Sarah. And uh, we tried to do this a, a couple of weeks ago, but the roads were blocked. Um, so they've parted. The oceans have parted, made a way. And here we are. I do, uh, I do love this church. I've known this church for a long time now. In fact, uh, I was only thinking about it this morning. It was uh, 22 years ago I had my first contact with this church. I was living in Wollongong. Uh, I was in a youth group there. And my youth pastor, Scott, Pastor Scott Hansey, uh, said, I'm going down to a youth camp down the coast in Ulladulla. I want you to come with me. And I was like, sure. Don't even know where Aladella is. Didn't even know we had a church down there. Uh, Sharon Wright was leading a youth group at that stage. And um, anyway, so I jumped in the car with him, went down into Maramarang Resort in uh, South Doris. And um, that was the first time I ever saw my wife. She was at that camp. She was from this church. And uh, it was Scott's plan the whole time, obviously. Uh, Adam, I think you were at that camp too, mate, uh, 22 years ago, and uh, the rest is history. Cassia ended up moving up to Wollongong after school, and, uh, and we got together, and we got married, moved to Perth for five years, uh, and then came back to the east, which was always home. We've been in Batemans Bay ever since, leading the church down there, Southland Church, and just having a ball. All right, you know me now? They, they reckon, you know, you don't listen to anyone until you get to know them a little bit. So there you are. Um, one thing you, are, you should be happy about that I didn't get through last two weeks ago was um, I was quite excited to come then because I'd just preached the week before in our church and I was quite happy with the message that I preached. And I was like, cool, that's what I'll do in Aladella when I go up there next week. And I thought, oh, I've got the week off in preparation, that kind of thing. And so you would have heard that message if I came two weeks ago, but only this week I really felt the Lord speak to me afresh uh, for you guys. And I've put this word together. I haven't preached it before, so it could be quite unpolished. So Sarah was thanking God for his grace earlier. That's all good. <laughs> Let me pray. Why don't you close your eyes? Lord, we thank you for this gathering of believers, like-minded people who love to lift up the name of Jesus. And we come together, Lord God, under your name, under your banner. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, we're coming around your word, your scriptures, your voice, and we want you to know our hearts and our ears are open. Amen. Amen. I feel this morning. How long do you preach for here? Two hours. Two hours. Sweet. 
Um, I, I felt to, to bring a word to you which could be quite familiar to you, especially the character that this is in the Bible, and it's the, the character of Simon Peter. And I want to follow his journey a little bit this morning, and then towards the end will be the significant word that I feel that the Lord has for individuals here today. So, so Peter was one of the ones that, that we read in scriptures that we can understand he knew the highs and the lows of life of ministry, of, of just, you know, he, he knew what it was like to be on top of the world and he knew what it was like to be in the midst of fires, right? And so here he is, and I want to explain to you a little bit of the timeline. We, we see him being called as Simon, as a fisherman, by Jesus. Say, so Simon, come, follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so he's walking with Jesus for three, three and a half years of ministry, and the high Life he must have been living then. Imagine walking with Jesus. Andy, I'm sure you imagine this all the time. Imagine walking around with Jesus and experiencing and seeing the things he was doing. Like he was one of the 12, but even closer than that, he was one of the three. Like he was one of the inner friends with Jesus. He saw it all, right? He, he saw the miracles that Jesus performed. He handed out the bread and the fish to the multitudes, and then collected baskets full afterwards. Like this was Peter, like he was living a dream. Like this was not normal. This was not reality. He walked on water for crying out loud. This is this is Peter. But I believe, without a shadow of doubt, the highlight of Peter's life, especially in these three years, the highlight was when Jesus singled him out. Let me read you a scripture. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? You know, it doesn't matter what other people say. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, here we go, blessed are you, points at him, like gets everyone's attention, points at Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Can you, can you sense his chest getting puffed up? You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. He's got every eye on him right now. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Can you imagine Pete? It's like, man, I knew this, but about time you all saw this. Like he was. Now we know that Jesus wasn't saying upon you, Peter. I'm going to build my church, but this revelation that you have that Jesus is the Messiah. But, but still, it was like he was being confirmed, like he was like being recognized. This was a high, this was the high, I believe, of Peter's three and a half years with Jesus. He was pinging. He was like soaring. But enter the crucifixion. 
And within days, Jesus is taken from him and crucified. And Peter's there in the crowd just watching this all happening. And his mouth is silent. And he's shocked. He's about to enter the lowest low of life he has ever experienced. He sees it all before his eyes. And just after that, a child comes up and says, aren't you one of this guy's friends? And, no, 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 I don't, I don't know him. I, you know, I'll give him a bit of grace there. He would have been in shock. He would have been in like, what is going on? Disbelief. That's my Jesus. I was just with him. Now he's dead. He, he wanders out, sits down past the gate. Another young child comes up. Aren't you one of his friends? Still confused by the whole situation, he sort of fobs her off. No, 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 you got the wrong person. And then the third time, a group of men come and says, hey, we recognize your accent. You're one of Jesus' followers, aren't you? And he says, surely I've never met the man. I'm assuming by now he's experiencing a sense of abandonment, possibly a sense of, of hurt and betrayal even by this Jesus who promised in the world. And as soon as that third denial happens, he hears the sound of a rooster crow. And the words of Jesus come flooding in his mind that he was going to deny him three times. All of a sudden, guilt hits him. Guilt upon guilt like we've never experienced. This was an all-time low for Peter. Not knowing what to do from here on, he goes back fishing. He goes back to his life of being Simon, the fisherman. Jesus knows this. He's raised from the dead at this point. And he goes to find him. The Bible says he went down to the river and found them fishing. You know, he went looking for his disciples. But I tend to think he was looking specifically for Peter. He went looking for Peter. Peter was off fishing going back to his old ways, back to his old life. But he wasn't the same, Peter. He went back to trying to be Simon, the fisherman, but he couldn't do that. And how many know that once you receive the love of God, once you receive Christ, if you have a low after that, you may know some people, you may be able to identify this yourself, but if you retreat from that, knowledge and relationship with the Lord and try to go back, it's never the same. You're not the same person as you were. You're a son or a daughter of the living God and you don't fit in back there anymore. And so Peter goes back to his old ways and he's fishing. But Jesus doesn't come looking for Simon like he did the first time three years ago. This time Jesus is on a mission to come back and find Peter. Peter that one that he affirmed. The Peter, the one that says, hey, upon this rock, I'm going to build my house, my church. Jesus went back looking for his house. He went back looking for his church. And so he finds Peter fishing. He calls him in. Peter jumps out of the boat, comes rushing in. They have breakfast. It's a beautiful thing, right? And then Jesus eyeballs him in front of the others again and says, Peter, do you love me? You know the story. He says, yes, I do. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. 
feed my sheep. Three times, Peter, do you love me? Well, feed my lambs. Three times he denied Christ. Three times Christ reaffirms him. Not just reaffirming him, but setting him back on course, back with vision again to say, well, go and feed my sheep. What are you doing here? This is the life of Simon. You're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. You're the, you're the one to feed my lambs, to build my church. And he starts to speak vision into Peter again. He's only with them for, for a number of days after this, but we come across the story of Pentecost. This is only a number of days afterwards. The followers are all gathered together. You know the story well. You're in a Pentecostal church. You've heard this a million times. The Holy Spirit comes down upon this meeting and people are speaking in tongues and it draws a crowd. And who is there to stand up and speak? Peter. Definitely not Simon, but Peter. Standing up in all that God had called him to be, and he preaches for the first time after the Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 people are added. He's back. Peter's back. He's back on top. He was in the highs walking with the Lord. Then he had these lows when he felt separated from the Lord. But now he's seeing like things happening. Multitudes of people are coming, signs and wonders. And he's right there at the, the arrow point. This is where he's meant to be. He's back. This is what Jesus does to us. He restores us. We heard it this morning from Sarah. His grace is lavishly poured out. Honest. This is what he does. And I'm not sure where you're at in life. You may be traveling through a low right now. You may be confused. You may be, you know, lost vision, lost hope. You, you, you may not be understanding what is going on in your world. But God's goal is to draw you out of that place again and restore everything that you've walked away from. Now, this is not what I've come to share with you today. Because I reckon you've heard that message heaps of times. If you've been in church for a while, you would have heard that. But there's an interesting fourth point. That's my three points. The th first point was uh, the highs of Peter's life, and then the lows was number two. And then number three, the journey, he was back on top again. But there's a fourth stage of the journey. Normally you only have three points to a message, but this is where it's going to be a bit different this morning. And I'm not going to tell you what the title of this fourth point is. I'm going to show it to you. So we read on the book of Acts. Peter, he's, he's pumped up. He's going about his thing. He starts walking down the street. He shadows and bang, healing people and bang. You know, he's like, he's living the dream. He, he, he heals someone who's paralyzed. And in the same chapter, he raises somebody up from the dead. Now, this is... This is the stuff that he saw with Jesus, and he was starting to see it again. This is the stuff that he looked back in the past, and, oh, if only we could get back to, to... And he did. He's now in the future, and he's doing the things that Jesus did. This is, this is quite amazing. But chapter 10 of Acts is when things go a little bit further. And I'm going to read a passage here, 20-odd verses, starting at chapter 10, verse Nine. who was staying in another man's house called Simon, Simon the Tanner, 
when, he, when Cornelius in another town calls for him. Cornelius is a Gentile man and he sends for Peter to come. He sends some, some of his servants. Here we go, verse 9. The next day Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town. Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have not de- have, that has declared impure or unclean. But the voice said again, second time, Do not call something unclean which God has made clean. And the same vision was repeated how many times? Three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was perplexed. He couldn't, he, he, what could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if the man, Simon Peter, was staying there. Meanwhile, Peter was puzzling over the vision on the rooftop that the Holy Spirit had said to him. The Holy Spirit had said to him, These three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house So that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay the night, and the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends. As Peter entered his house, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm only a human being just like you are. So they talked together and went inside. Many others were assembled there. Peter told them, You know it is against our law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think anyone as impure or unclean. So they came without objection Oh, sorry. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Three times this vision came. Now Peter denied Christ three times. Peter was affirmed by Christ again three times. And here we have a little bit further down the track a vision that comes to Peter, lowering the sheet with animals, which represented the Jews, the Gent- uh, sorry, not the Jews, the Gentiles, the outsiders, the unclean, and how this message was now for them. And Peter says 
in this house filled with Gentiles, God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So Cornelius explains what he wants to receive from Peter. He wants to hear the good news. He says, tell me about it. So Peter explains it to them like they've never had it explained to before. They were outsiders. This message was for the Jews up until now. We pick it up in verse 44, a few more verses here. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. This is deja vu of the upper house. Only it's not, it's not with Jews, it's with Gentiles. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object? He's speaking of the Jews. Can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders to them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay for several days. The Holy Spirit, which was poured out upon the Jews back in the upper room, was now being poured out on the Gentiles. And Peter was the one given the responsibility to take the good news to them. Peter was just about to embark now, what I believe, to not be going back to the good old days where he saw miracles and signs and wonders, even the very ones that Jesus did himself. Peter was about to embark into something even greater. Peter was about to actually start living the mandate and the call on his life for God to build the house, the church, on this revelation. But it was not to be done with the Jews. It was to be done with the Gentiles, with the outsiders. That's you and me. That's us. That's the rest of the world. See, Peter thought up until this point, up until that vision came three times, Peter thought that the Jewish nation was going to rise again. Jesus would be their leader. And he's there to, to take dominion over the whole world for the Jewish race. But this vision comes three times, interestingly three times, that God speaks to Peter and says, no, you're mistaken. If you just get back to where you once were and you saw signs and wonders and the church being built amongst the Jews, then you're missing it. I've got a greater stage for you. I've got a greater outworking of your calling. Three times he denied Christ. Three times he was affirmed again by Christ. But three times he was called into something new. My fourth point is called this, greater things will you do. Does that sound familiar? Didn't Jesus say that to his followers? When they're living the dream, this is the best. They're living the high life. They're seeing all these signs and wonders. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Greater things than this you will see, you will do. Because it's not just who we're reaching here, but you are going to take this message to the rest of the world. And it took Peter, this guy that knew the highs and lows, to not 
be satisfied just with what he'd seen in the past and the good old days and getting back to what he knew to be true. But it took this guy, Peter, who had the guts to believe that there was something even greater, something new on the horizon, which hadn't been talked of, hadn't been explained, hadn't been seen, no evidence of it, for him to say, yeah, I get it, and for God to use him. So let's not look back to our past. Let's not look back to the good old days. In fact, let's stop even talking about them like we need to get back to them. I think that's, 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 old. that's an old system. The Holy Spirit has come now to charge us to not just get back to what we dream of or have seen in the good old days, but let's be open to, to a measure that's even greater than that. Can we do that? Peter did. And he started the church. He kick-started the church. And right now it's up to probably a couple of billion people around the planet. If he didn't move into that greater Area. If he didn't move into that sphere where, where he let go of just the, the, the message to the Jews as good as it was, if he couldn't have let go of that and reached out to grab into some possibility of something greater and something new that God wanted to do, where would we all be today? Why don't you close your eyes together? Maybe even stand to your feet if you don't mind. I'm not sure where you are at. I'm not sure if you're in a high at the moment or if you're in a low. If you're riding on the clouds or if you're stuck in a cold valley and can't see past the mountain range around you. Wherever you're at, Jesus is here. And he recognises not who you were, but he recognises who you are to be. And he's come to seek you out and say, hey, come on, feed my sheep. In other words, get on with what I've called you to do. Come on, lift your head. Get out of this boat. Get out of this place. It stinks like fish. Come on, I've called you to be a fisher of men. Peter, and he's got that same message for you today. If you were down and out, if you've got nothing left, he's your restorer. He's your restorer. Hear his voice this morning asking, do you love me? And then respond, respond in your heart. He's going to keep asking you, do you love me? Because every time he asks you that and you respond, you are digging yourself out of that hole you're in. You're responding to the call of who you are to be. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you don't feel like you're in that low. Maybe you feel fine. Maybe you're living your greatest days. Fantastic. But there is more. 
There is a calling, I believe, for all of us here that is bigger than what we can understand right now. And in a sense, God's voice is here this morning. Say, hey, get up, kill and eat. What do I mean by that? By, hey, open up the possibilities. Open up your mind. I want to stretch you. I want to enlarge you. I want to do something through you that's never been done. I want you to focus on people that have never been focused on before. Don't be focusing on ones that you once focused on in a, you know, back in the day. But God's calling this church, He's calling you and me to reach new people, to reach new places, to reach new heights. Let's be open to that. Let's be open to that. Why don't we lift our hands together? Lord, we're open to you right now. We sense the call of God. We repent for those times that we've denied you, times that we've turned our back, walked away from the calling. But Lord, we sense there is something new and something greater that you are speaking to us right now about. We want to step into it. We want to step into it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wow, how good was that? I just love that, what Garen was saying, that, you know, so often God has something so much greater for us than we could ever imagine or comprehend. And that Henry Ford quote, if I had have given the people what they wanted, I would have given them faster horses and carts. But, you know, often what God has in mind for us is so beyond what we could even comprehend. And I've never heard that aspect of that story about um, Peter and Cornelius in the vision. So that was awesome. We're going to worship. And I really believe God is just wanting to enlarge our hearts and our spirits and stir just that sense of greater things are yet to come that Garen was talking about. So let's worship, allow God to encourage you and lift your spirits. And uh, thank you, Tim. We might sing that fourth song if that's all right. I'm guessing that's what you've got going anyway.